Trump just tweeted, China! That's all it said in all caps with an exclamation point. <laughs> China! Which we will be talking about in just a moment. Boy, that makes the China's a-hole guy look wordy. That is some tweet. China! China! Right? <laughs> so, and he's got, he's got a statement to make about China later, or a decree, or a resolution, or something that is going to happen today, and I'm pretty interested in seeing what's going to happen with that, but more on that in a second. Yeah, so the president uh, tweeted earlier uh, today, slash last night, um, a, a number of things, including, I can't stand back and watch this happen to a great American city, Minneapolis. A total lack of leadership. Either the very weak, radical left mayor, Jacob Fry, get his act together and bring the city under control, or I will send in the National Guard and get the job done right, dot, dot, dot. Then the next tweet is, whoa, hey, oh, oh, wait a minute. The next tweet, I have to read this first. This tweet violated the Twitter rules about glorifying violence. However, Twitter has determined that it may be in the public's interest for the tweet to remain accessible. Learn more or view. Well, being the bold sort that I am, I'm just going to go ahead and view it. Do you have the courage? And there you see the controversial tweet of the day. These thugs are dishonoring the memory of George Floyd, and I won't let that happen. Just spoke to Governor Tim Waltz and told him that the military is with him all the way. Any difficulty, and we will assume control. But when the looting starts, the shooting starts. When Thank the you. looting starts, the shooting starts. Thank you, he says at the end. Which was odd. Well, it's good manners. Um, and so Joe Biden has responded uh, to that by saying the president is advocating shooting U.S. citizens. Did he say so, shooting or murdering? Um, well, I think he said. Well, let me make sure. But uh, so that is not uh, that is not uh, helping with the rhetoric. <laughs> um, yeah, let's dig up. Is it was it from his? Yeah, I can I can find it super quick if you want. They all everybody tweets so much in the modern world. Yeah, I know the controversy is over by the time you hear about it, uh, and they've they've moved on to another tweet. It's, he's going to Minnesota later today. I'm, I'm not seeing that. Did he remove Joe Biden? His? Is yeah, 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 yeah. Finally leaving the basement. Biden is hiding. I'll be speaking more about the events in Minnesota later today. He said about an hour ago. Okay, it was it was what he said not a tweet? Maybe it was just it a might statement. Have been a statement from looking for it from the Hill, but the Hill tweets too much. Also, <laughs> everybody tweets too much. I think it is notable that uh, it was only, you know, roughly four years ago that nobody in politics would say, that's a lie. And say, you're misstating the case. You're prevaricating the facts. And now we're to, you're a murderer. Yeah, you're a communist. Yeah, you're an agent of Putin. Remember that one? It only went on for three years. You're mentally ill. You're morbidly obese. You're senile. Uh, so this Hill article says uh, Biden is accusing Trump of calling for violence against Americans. Uh, okay. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah, there it is in the tweet. Yeah, but he is calling for violence against American citizens during a moment of pain for so many. Okay. So, uh, whoops, that's the wrong article. Why do I have that all of a sudden? So in the midst of all this just wild partisanship and disagreement and, and, and rancor and the rest of it, there are seriously international challenges that call for all of us to be more or less united including china 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 just why the president tweeted that 
You got I, hands? Sh- I started reading the book that Tim Sandifer recommended about China last night. Mm. Really interesting so far. Really interesting so far. It's called The Bully of the Orient? The Bully of Asia? It starts with The Bully, and it's about China. Look it up. Um, Look it up! And uh, Thank you! <laughs> but it, it the early chapters go through the history of China, and China, China has been the dominant civilization on the planet for... <clears throat> like 2,500 of the last 3,000 years. But the last couple of years, 100 years, up until real recently, not so good. They, mm. felt they fell way behind, got embarrassed by it. They feel their rightful place is as leader of the, of the earth. It's like the Yankees finishing fourth in the AL East three years in a row. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. No, 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 no. Our rightful place is at the top. That's 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 in their culture, mm. deep within their culture. Interesting, a bit and, of a, a Chinese. Uh, what is it? The American the uniqueness? That's not it. Exceptionalism. Exceptionalism. Yeah, yeah Chinese yeah. exceptionalism. We've got that, and we're used to being number one and all that sort of thing. But it only goes back a couple of generations. It goes back thousands of years with China mm. of being the center. Literally, they called themselves the, the center of the earth. They were shocked to find out. When people started bringing them maps from around the world, that they were not like in the middle with just vastness around them. That wait a second, there are countries over there and over there and everything. Wait, they got bigger boats than we've got. They were shocked to find that out. But their their culture is: we are number one. We've always been number one. We should be number one, and we need to get back to being number one. And that's what drives all the decisions that are being made right now. Mm, interesting. Uh, so you have a number of things happening, including they are getting really ugly in the South China Sea again in international waters, building islands, militarizing them and saying, no, this is our territory. So we own the water 12 miles in every direction, which is just it's utterly indefensible in terms of international uh, maritime law. But they're doing that. China has now vowed to smash any Taiwan independence move. Taiwan, a little independent island, one of a couple of note. Um they're getting increasingly aggressive. If if Taiwan declares independence, they will crush them. Hong Kong, I'm sure you've followed this. Uh, China has announced, no, nah, we're gonna we're gonna pretty much take away the rest of your rights and, and control Hong Kong completely. So Mike Pompeo, our Secretary of State, declared uh, Hong Kong is no longer independent, which suspends or ends a whole lot of special trade and financial agreements with Hong Kong. Places, these places like Hong Kong and Taiwan, this gets to what I was just talking about. They have a deep hurt over the fact that those places are no longer, you know, completely in their sway because that's the way it was for thousands of years. And the fact that other countries came along and took the, that the Brits owned Hong Kong for so long is just deeply painful to them. Mm-hmm. And they, they will not be happy until Taiwan, Hong Kong, all these places are back in their orbit. Right. Right. Um, there was one they more. Don't, they oh. don't. They don't make. They're not making. I guess the, the point I'm trying to make is they're not making like simple, like I think we do in the United States. Just uh, you know, pluses and minuses decisions. This would be better for us for these reasons. No, it's a. It's it's like. Um, well, they called it jingoism in the early 20th century. By jingo, let's go fight them, whether it made sense or not. Yeah, it's, it's like hyper patriotism. It, yeah, it's an emotional wound for them. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't have to make sense financially. For them to do what they're doing in Hong Kong. 
Right. And and if they were to lose the cash cow of Hong Kong, that would hurt, although they're working as hard as they can to develop other Chinese cities to be that cash cow. So uh, and the other thing is they were make we the U.S. are making noises that, you know, one of the, the vestiges of the if we open up China, is that Colin Kaepernick? Is he in the news? Please. Why? A police, oh, he's commenting police brutality. on the, yeah, yeah, okay. Um, anyway, uh, uh, so uh, one of the vestiges of the, if we get China to come out economically, they'll democratize and cease being a big, scary communist dictatorship, which, you know, was a, a nice intention, but it turned out to be naive. But we, If they had read the first two chapters of this book, I think you would know that that would have never worked. Interesting. Well, the guy who wrote it, that's not Herman in their culture. Melville, um, is, is, is a great authority on China, so... Anyway, um, but we have said for the longest time, Chinese companies could come raise money in the U.S., get investment in the U.S. without the financial disclosures, the accounting disclosures that every U.S. company has to abide by. It was one of those, well, there's still a rising economy and it's in our interest to bring them out. So we're going to we're going to suspend the rules for you, China, which the you know, the the uh, World Trade Organization did for years and years and the EU and everybody else. Uh, but now the Trump administration administration is saying, no, nah, we're not going to do that anymore. So that's really pissed the Chinese off, although it's, it's appropriate anyway. So, yeah, the whole, you know, uh, Trump and Winnie the Pooh getting along pretty well. Xi Jinping, he looks like Winnie the Pooh. Check it out. Um, <laughs> I, and, and the getting close to a giant breakthrough trade deal. I don't love our chances right now. Things the, the the wind has turned, Jack, and it's it's an ill wind that blows. Well, it's it's easily the most important story going on in planet Earth. Yes, it just absolutely is, and will be for uh, centuries to come, probably. New Cold War, and I just I I hope that we can get it through the heads of everyone of what China is, or they'll wake up to it, and it doesn't end up being a like right versus left, Republican versus Democrat, or or something, right where there are people who stand up for China, they are maybe the most racist country on the planet. Um, and there's all kinds of problems. They have more slaves than any country on the planet. Oh, there's yeah. all kinds of reasons to hate China, yet not enough people do. China has more slaves now than any, you know, 17s and 1800s country could dream of. But, as you point out, it's going to be the hardest thing in the world. You like, you like women's <clears throat> rights, a woman's right to choose? They come into your home and, and, and rip the baby out of you or make you have it, depending on whatever they decide that day. Sure. You like LGBT rights, minority rights, the rest of it? They'll stomp you and throw you in jail where you'll die of hunger. Please. And that's the, that's the thing. The Trump thing has now got everybody so whipped up, particularly on the left, that if Trump says, listen, this is an evil regime that keeps slaves and exploits people and blah, 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 and now they're exploiting us economically and it's got to stop, you'll have masses of the Western media saying, oh, it's terrible, and it's racist, and it's xenophobic, and they will go against the United States' best interest, and really the world's best interest, just because they're, they're Trump-obsessed. It's Trump derangement syndrome. And that's what worries me, because I think this could be really, really big. Oh, yeah, and Trump's got some announcement to make about China today, whatever China. it will be. Um, and, China! And now a third of Americans believe China is an enemy of the United States. That number's doubled in just a couple of months. Frenemy at best. It'll be at 50% within a, a year or two, I'm guessing. Uh-huh. And I think the days of uh, the NBA or any company being able to be cozy with China at all are over. If the NBA did net today what they did a few months back, uh, yeah. Yeah. They'd, they'd be doomed. Yeah. 
Isn't that interesting? Yeah. How times change so quickly. Well, let's hope it doesn't get uh, ugly or it double will. ugly. It will. It will get double ugly. Oh. I hope it just doesn't happen, you know, like, you know, in the next year. Hey, good news, Portland. I'm sure the Portlandians, the, uh, the, 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 the Antifa hippie freak types are going to hate this. But the USS Portland Navy ship fired an, a, a, an experimental new weapon. It's a badass. Oh, I want to hear yeah, about Yeah, you're going to like this. We'll, we'll tell you about our badass new weapon. How do you like that, China, huh? Next. Armstrong and Getty. Elon Musk's old lady calls herself Grimes. She's one of those people with one name. Wasn't that like Homer's nemesis at the nuclear plant? In the Odyssey or The Simpsons? Uh, the Simpsons. Okay. I, I'll, I'll just assume I'm talking about The Simpsons. I'll clarify if I'm referencing The Odyssey. <laughs> just, yeah, shorthand. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. Grimes? Maybe that's where Grimes comes from. I don't but know. So, hmm. Elon Musk's old lady, he's got so much on his mind and he's so busy. The whole, they had to rename their baby because California law doesn't allow you to give a baby with the name that they had, which is just freaking ridiculous. Welcome to the land of the free and the home of the brave. They made a law on what you can name your kid. Uh, but some one of the symbols or something was against the law, so they had to change the name of the baby. Anywho, that's not what I was going to talk about. She's always doing stuff that keeps him busy, it would seem. Well, she now plans to legally sell her soul for $10 million. I'm going to have to take a good long look at her soul. Ahead of an upcoming online art exhibition titled Selling Out, opening in Los Angeles, uh, the avant-garde artist has announced the title piece in the collection will be a legal document that entitles the purchaser to a percentage of Grimes' soul. I only get a percentage for 10 mil? How does this work? The nugget of Grimes' essence will be sold along with sundry other prints, drawings, and photographs by the singer... Uh, there you go. That's that's not provocative. Provoking. You know, it's interesting. I just I I just read this long book about Andy Warhol and became really enamored with what he did and all that sort of stuff and find it very very interesting and take it pretty seriously and I find this sort of crap just stupid. <laughs> so I don't know why, but well, you hate modern art. I do. <clears throat> I do. My son explained uh, performance art to me mm-hmm. and showed me some stuff. I thought it was pretty interesting. It tends to get way way out there. Problem is, how do you tell the good stuff from the f- completely stupid stuff or phony stuff? Does it speak to you? Poor girl, she's got only one soul. She's ready to sell it. What does that say about humanity? Mm? Probably nothing. <laughs> it won't All right. All right. The USS Portland successfully disabled an unmanned serial vehicle. Aerial vehicle. Sorry, I'm, I'm reading two things at once. Unmanned aerial vehicle. A UAV, that's like a battle drone. It disabled it with a solid-state laser beam. Shot down the drone with a laser weapon during a first-of-its-kind-at-sea test of the Navy's high-energy laser weapon system. They are developing a and testing a portfolio of laser weapons, some of which are more powerful but only suited for ships with greater power generation capabilities. Um, 
But the long and short is now we're blowing stuff out of the sky with concentrated light. You know, that's one reason why the rise of China and their belligerence is not a joke. Because there hasn't been a war with two heavyweights throwing blows in a very long time. And the weaponry has changed a lot. Right. Right. We're actually going to be chatting with the fabulous Mike Lyons on Monday during the Armstrong and Getty show about uh, China's military capabilities and ours and, and that sort of thing. And as a guy who uh, has read a fair amount about the ethics and law of war, and my daughter is actually hardcore into it right now. She had a class on it, and I was flipping through her textbook. The uses and misuses of these terrible new weapons, I think, will be uh, could be potentially tough to take. Yeah, I think those rules would go out the window in like the first day. They often do. Once you've got and then a, the people who win administer justice to those who didn't. Yeah, exactly. Once you have an existential threat, what do you what do you hold them back for? The history of mankind is you don't you right. don't hold back. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I think I'd like to keep existing, so I'm going to eliminate this existential threat. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I'm I'm hoping things don't go in the darkest direction with China, but uh, things have definitely taken a rough turn, and they almost had to. I think we're deluding ourselves and or just trying as hard as we could to have a good, healthy relationship and slowly but surely reform that evil regime. Well, that's over. We need to recognize it's over. Um, uh, With the happenings in Minneapolis and the writings overnight and all that sort of stuff, we should check back in on that. Armstrong and Getty. Where's the training of these guys? How do you not know the neck is that sensitive? Where is the the officers that are standing near this guy who are willing to stand up and stop him? You know, that's the problem, too. Now, you know, this guy doing what he done is an awful act, but it's just as awful. To be there as an officer, hear a guy saying he cannot breathe while he's handcuffed on the ground and to not intervene and stop your fellow officers from doing it. Your obligation to the law applies not just to the citizens that you're that you're protecting every day. It applies to making sure that law is enforced against your colleagues in the police department. That's Sean Hannity and uh, Chris Christie, no left wingers, soft on crime, hard on cops saying, what's going on with the guys, the cops watching this guy murder somebody? Right. And uh, we talked earlier about there's a a Twitter feed that compiles statements from police chiefs all across the country, big towns, small towns, all kinds, just just condemning this in all kinds of different ways. Some angry, some just sad for what this is going to do to the profession. Sad for the poor guy that was murdered in the street in front of a whole bunch of people in broad daylight. Right. As everybody said, you're killing him, you're killing him. He's saying, you're killing me, you're killing me. And for seven minutes, some people say nine minutes, I don't know. That's a very long time. He kept his knee on that guy's neck until he freaking died. Well, Just unbelievable. The, the police chiefs want it to be infinitely clear that there is absolutely n- no justification for what happened based on modern policing uh, training and standards. That You cannot defend it. No matter what happened before, 
what the guy was accused of, what he'd done. There's no defending it. So the, the, the murderer, the guy who killed him with his own knee, he's one thing. Chris Christie's right. You do need to talk about the guys watching, because that, that has to get to a cultural thing. Van Jones made the same point, and I disagree with him all the time, but he's a thoughtful guy, and I think he's sincere. But he said, listen, there are psychopaths. And, and he tends to think the guy who was kneeling on the neck probably is one. Um, he said, but if the other three guys are willing to confront the psychopath, execute their training, uphold their ethics, the damage the psychopath can do is pretty well limited and will probably be drummed off the force before too terribly long. He said, and it's absolutely true, the silent standers-by are a bigger problem than the psychopath. Absolutely true, and that's why Chris Christie brought it up, I think. And you're not going to hear a lot of agreement between Chris Christie, Sean Hannity, and Van Jones. Not often. Man, that's that's a problem. So, And uh, uh, there was a mostly peaceful protest during the day, then at night it got ugly, and then there were people rioting and just taking advantage of the situation. There were also a lot of people who were legitimately angry, Going after a police station, the police actually retreated from one of their police stations the, and it was set on fire. The the precinct that the those precinct. four officers yeah. worked at specifically, and uh, and yeah, they actually decided to retreat and just let it go, burn mm. burn down. Um, so you got that whole thing, and we've talked about that. This is a new angle Sean brought to me. This is pretty damn interesting. So during my consumption of these on the street videos, uh, you know, just kind of consuming from various people's Twitter feeds, uh, there were. Multiple instances of people dressed in all black with full-on gas masks, right? Not just covering your identity mask, but, you know, this seems legitimate-grade gas masks. Black umbrellas. You can't see their face. Right. Uh, all black. Uh, walking around to places where protesters had gathered. Walk directly past them. Just start hammering out windows of auto zones and various businesses. Walk away when confronted with the protesters saying, Hey, what was that? What did you just do that? He would threaten violence, just continue to disengage. Like, mm. it was very odd to see this, this engagement going on. I've watched the videos, yeah, and it is weird. So the guy just walks up with a hammer and starts smashing out the windows, and the other protesters are looking at him like, What the hell is going on? Who is this? What are they doing? Right. Okay. And just turns around and walks off. Is it uh, the uh, Antifa types? The, the the theory the the theory among some is that it's cops. Jeez, I hope that's what? not the case to try to make the uh, the protesters look worse. That that's uh, but but is it mm. is it Russians? Wait, how many how many man, Russians would you have to hire to do that to make it that much worse? I don't know. Half it's, a dozen would be plenty. It's somebody and and cops, Russians, whoever the, all of them, whoever it is, has the same agenda. It's to make this worse. Right or up the ante, if you're going to be charitable. Um, I don't. You know, when the uh, Starbucks and businesses were getting smashed up at the WHO meetings, or I'm sorry, the World Trade Organization meetings in Seattle, that wasn't cops. And uh, you know, when when the various cities have been torched and smashed up, and the rest of it, it hasn't been cops. It's been. Does radicals. it strike you as extra odd though? Somebody dresses up in the complete. I'm out of a like I don't know a sci-fi movie getup. Walks past the protesters with a hammer, smash, 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 turns around and walks back. Well, what I the hell su- is that? I would suggest to you that cops don't dress up in uh, tuxedos to go undercover. They try to look exactly like everyone else if they're going to do something undercover. It would be an act of insanity to say, you know what we're going to do? 
We're going to secretly undermine these protesters by smashing stuff up. And to do it, we're going to dress in a bizarre way that everyone notices. Well, I'm not trying to defend that position or not. It's mm-hmm. just, it's somebody. Oh, yeah. And I'm just, what, what, what well, is going O'Shawn on? Well, is trying to tear down all that is good and decent in this country and accuse our police of malfeasance. I've been watching too it. much S.H.I.E.L.D. this week. All I got is negative, uh, crooked no. cop narratives running oh, around in my head. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like watching the bad lieutenant and then, right, right. you know, going to a police fundraiser. It's just a bad idea. Anyway, um, that is weird. Weird. So, multiple sightings of the same guy, or do we have multiple guys? I've seen two videos of the same guy, and then there was another video that I believe to be somebody else. Dressed in all black. All black, black umbrella, very similar... Gas mask, gas mask that you can't just get at a Target. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like these are, are you've got to put in some effort to get this grade yeah. of gas mask. There's something about the deliberate, the way they walk. Yeah. I mean, it's just so robotic. It, it seems more... And not looting. He didn't reach in and take a no. take a rim out of the, the auto zone or anything. He just destruction, walk away, refuse to engage with any of the people who you would assume that you're on the same set, right? Like, right. Just not even saying, look, if we don't smash windows, yeah. we won't get any it's justice. A, if you take one more step, I'm going to fight. And then the guy saying, okay, let's go. Somebody hold. And then so, and then he disengages and doesn't actually fight the guy. Yeah. But, it, it, you know, not seeming to have any allies in the groups that he was infiltrating. Yeah. And just causing damage and leaving. Boy, that it's very is weird. weird. Very weird. Yeah. Oh. As if things aren't strange enough. No kidding. It's somebody with a, uh, a, a singular purpose. Yeah. And they did not want to engage and, you know, end up in a situation where they get found out. That's why I think it's, I'm, I'm going with Russians. I think it's, well, you have to remember, like, your Antifa types, and, and there are black corollary groups, radicals, and uh, you remember the sister organization in the San Francisco Bay Area for Antifa is BAM, by any means necessary, um, that believes in stoking violence. Violence is the only way. Not only do they not, you know, decry violence or, or forbid it, they encourage it. And there are groups like that. It's weird, though. You'd think they would want credit? or but, Yeah, but then they would be trying... In the past, I've seen them try to make that point to the other... Pro- Come right. on, let's go, everybody! Right. We gotta, we gotta storm the yeah. castle! Right. Trying to make the case. Right. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm thinking of uh, Malcolm X versus Martin Luther King. At the, 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 you know, when Malcolm wanted to go with violence and he MLK wanted to go with nonviolence, right. they didn't, there wasn't like people with black umbrellas and stuff walking Break past. Break windows and slink off into the night. Yeah. They said, no, you gotta join us. You gotta do it like this. They, this, wanted, to so win, they wanted to win the argument. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. There's something strange going wow. on. Wow. I'll be danged. So if we don't have enough to sort out. Hey, did you guys ever find that Van Jones clip I was looking for? Uh, Not specifically, no. Okay, well, maybe we can dig that up for a little bit We're talking bit later, to but... Lan Hee Chen coming up in a little bit about politics. What are we going to talk to him about? Joe really wants to get into the the Veep stakes. But if, you, I'm... if you use that word one more time, <laughs> we're fighting. And I will not disengage and walk off with my umbrella. God, anybody who acts like that's an important story, really. Uh, just tell us when you pick somebody. Then we'll only have like four <laughs> months to talk about it. Yeah, so Lon He Chen, he's fabulous, he's brilliant, he's insightful, he's next. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Ford is introduced a new way to disinfect police cruisers by roasting them, getting them so hot that you can kill any virus or anything that's in them. Ooh, nice Mm -hmm. roast Ford. Go into the details of that later, maybe. 
Please welcome to the Armstrong and Getty Show, Lon He J. Chan, the David and Diane Steffi Fellow in American Public Policy Studies at the Hoover Institution. Uh, Lon He, always great to talk. How are you? Great to be with you. So, do we understand that's a new title? Yeah, I mean, you know, new title, more of the same. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, I'm it's... Just- this is the thing about academics, right? They all they all have to have crazy titles that change like every couple of years. But you're a where you you're a fellow now, and you're something before, or well, is no, it, it's or the, the other part is in different. American public policy oh, okay, studies. Gotcha. Just so you didn't think he was like a fellow in octopus reproduction or something like oh, that. Oh, okay, gotcha. I right. gotcha. Well, Although, anyway, congratulations. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Thank you. Thank for, you. for all I know, you're an expert in that as well. So there are so many <laughs> topics. I mean, we're talking civil liberties and and policing and. And, and a dozen different things right now. But let's let's go back a couple of days to the question of uh, mail-in voting, which is such a hot topic. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, Jack and I have been discussing who it might help, who it might hurt. Is it uh, vulnerable to fraud? That seems to be one of those big arguments. Uh, what's your take? Uh, in, in terms of who it helps, I think the answer is it really depends. I mean, I think you've seen certain situations where it's actually helped Republicans. You've seen a number of situations where it's helped Democrats. So I think that that part of the discussion to me is a little bit more difficult to nail down. I, I, I think the mechanics of mail-in voting are, are a challenge in some states. So, you know, here in California, for example, we've got a pretty robust mail-in uh, system. If you want to be an absentee voter, you can pretty much ask for an absentee ballot for any reason. Uh, you know, Governor Newsom put in place this executive order, which uh, to me is puzzling, that the idea of mailing a ballot to every single registered voters, even even ones that have not voted in several cycles, seems problematic when you've got a system already where someone can easily request a mail-in ballot without any problem. So why do you think uh, he did that? Well, I think it's part of... Be as know, cynical as you want. <laughs> I'm sorry? Be as cynical as you want. <laughs> well, you know, I think... He, he feels in California it's going to advantage people who support him and his agenda. Okay, there you I mean, go. I don't, I, don't think there's, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Yeah. Uh, you know, now, as part of it that he wants to make sure as many people have access to the vote as possible, sure, I suppose that's, that, that's another reason. But in, in California, it rings a little bit hollow to me because, as I said, you can easily request a mail-in ballot. You can be a permanent absentee if you want and always get a mail-in ballot. Uh, the, the idea of proactively mailing them out is 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 a little weird to me. Well, now there are other states. Sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, my words, not yours. He wants to spread out as many ballots to everyone who can fog a mirror and many who can't. That, that will then be harvested by professional vote harvested, right. so that there can never be a, a Democrat loss again in the history of California. That I believe that is his intent uh, entirely. Well, we, we, we have this problem in California. It's a known problem of of ballot harvesting, you know, people going around gathering ballots, which may or may not have been cast you know, in a legal fashion. Uh, it is a problem in California. The other issue we have in California, uh, we don't clean our voter rolls very often. So you end up with this strange situation where one group found that there are actually more registered voters in Los Angeles County than there are citizens. Well, that's a, that's a little bit of a problem, you know, and, and so things like this, it seems to me, need to get cleaned up before you go and start mailing a ballot to every single person who's registered. What I was going to say, guys, is in other states, you know, it, it's a big problem because you don't have any mail-in infrastructure at all. There are some states where they don't do any mail-in balloting. And so the notion now that you want to go to an entirely all-mail system using coronavirus as the excuse, 
that to me is completely unworkable. And that is a, a situation where you're not going to build the right infrastructure and you will have fraud problems. Do you, so th- that to me is a, an issue to watch out for. Do you have an ideal way of voting that in your mind, if you were, you know, could snap your fingers and make it happen, would it be, would it be all mail-in? Would it be all electronic? Or would it, what, what it would be, would it be multiple days that some people have proposed where it's like, you know, there are a three-day window to vote so people aren't lying? What do you think would be best? Yeah, I think having a couple of days makes sense. I, I think having one of those days potentially fall on a weekend w- w- wouldn't be the worst thing in the world either. Uh, you know, electronic voting in theory makes a lot of sense to me, but it just seems like we constantly hear about vulnerability to cyber attack, to hacking. Until we can solve that problem with some real, real, real confidence, I think that's going to be a tough one. Um, you know, mail-in balloting, as I said, you've got to build the right infrastructure, right? So you look at Oregon and Washington, or two states, and Utah is another one, that have extensive mail-in voting. In fact, a couple of those states are actually all mail-in vote. It's taken them decades to build the right infrastructure. That means making sure people are opening the ballots in a secure, sterile place, that uh, you've got a way of verifying people's signatures so the, the vote comes in, you know it's the person who actually submitted the ballot as the person who cast it making sure all of those security protocols are in place, that takes time to build. Now, if you can build the right infrastructure and you provide a a pathway to go to mail-in balloting, I don't have an issue with mail-in balloting if it's done the right way. Uh, But but the haphazard kind of putting it all together and saying, hey, let's go to all mail tomorrow, that's idiotic. Lonhee Chen of the Hoover Institution is on the line. So many directions we could go, Lonhee. What are you thinking about and writing about uh, today? Well, you know, I, I do think that the I continue to be focused on the reopening question, you know, after coronavirus and what's happening. And I, I'm getting increasingly frustrated, I got to say, with the conversation about schools and, and mm. schools reopening. And it seems to me that uh, we need to be making it a priority to do everything we can to get as many schools open and get as, as many kids back into schools we can do safely by the fall. Uh, I have heard various pronouncements. I heard one by a former uh, Homeland Security Secretary saying, well, we can't put kids back in school until we've got a vaccine. That, that no, no, that's that's just it's it's not, not not only is it not workable, but what what you're doing now with this distance learning thing is you're really disadvantaging a lot of kids who who are in the socially disadvantaged or economically disadvantaged category because they don't have access to the technology that that middle income and, and higher income kids do. Yeah, and that technology so is pretty away. mediocre too, honestly, in terms of learning as we're <laughs> good. we're all discovering. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, good. So anyway, we, we we've got to figure out the school reopening thing because if we don't, we're going to have a, a, a huge problem. You know, there are a number of sociological and religious and historical reasons why uh, the the desire for constant safety is at its apex. And, oh, you know, the rampant lawsuits is part of it, too. But someday the book will be written, and, and I think it will point out that this was the apex of we will do anything to keep ourselves safe, including killing ourselves through economic deprivation and, and missing out on medical care to avoid, you know, the Chinese uh, bat flu. Well, you guys raise a good point about avoiding medical care. You've got declines in cancer screenings. You've got declines in, in uh, people going for basic checkups where they catch things that, if you catch them early, are easily treatable. We've seen significant declines that are going to decimate the, the healthcare industry. I mean, frankly, you've got, you know, doctors are going to go out of business because of this. So you've got that huge problem. Not to mention the fact that, you know, in some counties, you've really got what I call the rampage of the public health officers. You know, these these folks who really I'm sure they mean well, 
but they are so delighted to be in a position to finally have their way that you end up with with strange, strange decisions. No kidding. Uh, here in you know we, we we see it here in Santa Clara County uh, down in the Silicon Valley. I mean, it's it's a big, big problem. Even our caseloads, you know, declining. Things looking good. Nope, nope. Got to keep it shut down for several more weeks. I mean, this to me. Uh, just, just simply does not make any sense. Boy, and the mental health aspect, uh, speaking of kids and schooling and everything like that, my kids are home, and and my son, well, both my kids, they, they FaceTimed with their cousins recently, and nobody had anything to say. Everybody was just like, kind of, yeah. what are you doing? Nothing. And and my son FaceTimed with one of his best friends yesterday. I said, how'd it go? And he said, eh, he didn't really have anything to say, and I didn't have anything to say. They're just like, they're just, they're, they, they have no joy in their lives. Well, that can't be good. And child mental health experts are shouting that from the mountaintops, too, that this is terrible on the kids. And and we just yeah. uh, the problem is, and I loved your phrase about the county health officials, uh, you know, running rampant or wild, is they have one priority, and that one priority has now been imposed upon the rest of us, and it's just completely distorting society in a way that's incredibly unhealthy. Uh, we will talk about this more in the days to come. Obviously, uh, we're about out of time. Lonnie J. Chen, David and Diane Steffi Fellow in American Public Studies, Public Policy Studies at the Hoover Institution. Lonnie, great to talk to you. Thank you. Thanks, guys. All right. I swear to God, we're going to look back on this period, and for a lot of people, they're going to say, what was going on with us that we all rolled over so quickly and pulled all our kids out of school and shut down all our businesses? Right. What, right. what, what, was, going, what was happening in America at that time? Especially when, while this disease is unique, it's so comparable to so many diseases that have swept through and done terrible damage, but we didn't commit murder on the economy uh, to avoid it. And do things that nobody had ever even considered before. And almost as an entire population, we said, oh, okay, sure, yeah. Armstrong and Getty.